0: Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. Today is June eleventh, twenty twenty, and I'm coming at you with uh, Caitlin Cooper of Indie Cornrows as well. Caitlin, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing about as good as I think you can do during, given the the situation in the world. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, you know, everything's just been kind of compounding a little bit. Uh, some definitely. Uh, I talked with I talked with Jay Michael on, uh, on my last pod that I did a couple of days ago and we were just kind of talking about everything that's been going on in the world. Uh, definitely uh, really weird and difficult times to to kind of understand and uh, and go through for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely a lot of strange, a lot of unrest, a lot of It's kind of hard to know, like how much to focus on basketball. I know for like me personally, I've had a piece done for like two weeks now and I just haven't like felt right publishing it. Cause it, I mean, it's, it's very like X's and O's oriented. It's something I've been researching for a while and I'm like, I just don't really feel right promoting myself. So there it sits. Like eventually people who are listening, you'll get to read it. I just don't know when that day's going to come.
0: Yeah, I know. I felt that. I, uh, uh I remember me and Tom recorded something right when uh when the season was uh well, when the formatting was announced last week and uh, we talked before and we were like, do we really want to release this like I mean we kind of have to, but at the same time it's just uh yeah it's uh it's weird the uh, and it's it's difficult because I was listening to um Nerd or she wrote this morning or no it was basketball Buzz was this morning with uh Zach Harper and all the guys at the athletic and and he spoke on how uh even though you know it's nice that the season's coming back but it's still 50 days away
1: so yeah. it's like
0: it's it's nice to know that's coming in the future but it's like we have so much time before then um it's kind of wild to think about how we're gonna try and fill that time up so um yeah there's a there's yeah it's just hard to think of what to even dive into I mean I know I want to probably dive into you know the, the Miami games and maybe Boston games Philly games any of the potential playoff matchups but
1: Right. Like it's a delicate balance. Cause obviously, you know, there's news coming out, there's stuff that is actually basketball related. We have to, I mean, that's our job to cover it, but at the same time, I don't necessarily like just for stuff that I've individually written, like flooding people's timelines with that, when there's clearly more important things going on, it, it's, it's delicate to, to navigate for sure. It's un, unprecedented, I would say. Yeah,
0: definitely. And uh, so I think, you know, just going right off of that, uh, I'd love to get your perspective a little bit on how the the Pacers have handled um, their reaction to the protests and everything. I I just personally, myself, I think uh, it's been really cool seeing the way that uh, that Malcolm and and Miles Turner have have handled themselves. And uh, Victor has spoken out as well. He's been on, uh, on the news a lot, actually, which is kind of crazy. See, I remember I walked down and my mom is like the least basketball oriented person on the face of the planet Malcolm Brogdon's on the TV. I'm like, Oh my God, my mom's learning something. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love to just get your
1: perspective. Right. Like definitely they're all, it's interesting to look back because I remember, geez, when was it a couple of seasons ago before this current roster was in place that, um, at media day, some players had gotten asked about what their feelings about the national anthem were or what, mm-hmm. how the NBA was going to handle that, and no one really wanted to touch it. Like, nobody really wanted to talk about it. And that's, you know, not saying that they have to. They don't have to give comment on something more political if they don't want to. But just the departure from that to the types of statements, like, I mean, there's clearly pointed reference in Nate's statement about using the word great. Kevin Pritchard seemed fairly unapologetic when he was asked if you watched that full YouTube video about yeah, you know what if what if there's pushback from this and he was kind of like well then there is like it didn't it didn't seem like they were trying to walk a fine line of you know we we don't you know kind of the whole Michael Jordan Republicans buy shoes too and that's not even necessarily me making a political statement other than to say that just the departure and tone that you can tell that this is kind of a landmark moment where people are going to be more willing to speak out and and that that Kevin Pritchard even said that he has the support of ownership I thought was pretty big I mean obviously you want to see follow through from the things that they're saying but the intent and and where they're coming from seems like a lot different from where they would have been you know even a couple years ago
0: yeah, I totally agree with that, especially because, I mean, just, uh, from my perspective, the the organization is normally one of the very, uh, I don't outspoken is totally the wrong word opposite. You know, the, the organization is normally very even keeled and, uh, not super willing to release, uh, you know, some crazy public statement or anything. Um, it definitely, you know, so it, I, I don't know. I think it was just great considering the way that the Knicks handled themselves
1: uh, <laughs> Yeah. as in yeah.
0: True, true Knicks fashion. Uh, James well, Dolan, actually just, like
1: the opposite of true Knicks fashion. They're the people that want to release a statement on Richard Jefferson didn't get offered a contract oh, yeah. by us, but now they they're silent and don't want to release any statement. We don't want to wade into yeah, that.
0: Exactly. I well, yeah, cuz I mean the uh the I mean did you see the the leaked email from Dolan that that came out?
1: No, like, I didn't I didn't oh, get to read that. Yeah,
0: so he basically just sent us like yeah, we're not going to have any kind of statement or anything like that and it was uh it was just in classic Knicks fashion. Something that should be relatively simple that all the other teams have already handled. They, uh, they find a way to, uh, handle it the wrong way. That is, <laughs>
1: sure.
0: um, but yeah, kind of transitioning out of that. I, I uh, just getting back to basketball a little bit, um, overall, I mean, so much has come out and, uh, so much seems to keep coming out and keeps changing. Uh, what are your thoughts initially on the bubble? So I think like the, that's obviously kind of a loaded, loaded question, but I think, uh, uh, on, on the format 22 teams going in what do you think on that so far Because so I, I definitely have thoughts on that
1: well a lot of thoughts on all of it I mean it seems like it's evolving by the day because I remember that I don't know probably about a month ago I think Shams had in the athletic that they were gonna this was gonna be a campus environment and that players were gonna be allowed to go on and off campus and like I'm not an epidemiologist I mean that's no longer a bubble I don't I'm not going to pretend Mm -hmm. to know exactly what's going to keep everybody safe, but that, that was the lingo that was being used. And now, you know, a couple weeks later, it seems like it's getting tighter and tighter, which I understand. I mean, I I want people to be safe. I want people to get to the end of all of this and and Mm -hmm. nothing bad has happened ideally, but Clearly, there, it seemed like the league for a while was a little bit more concerned with maintaining and not giving the impression of there being a surveillance state versus now it's, it's transitioning back to the medical. And some of the stuff that Woj was releasing yesterday in tweets was a little bit concerning for me because, you know, they're showing that there's 40 or 50 players potentially that don't feel comfortable with the situation for whatever reason it be, whether it's the civil rights stuff that's currently going on, fears over the coronavirus and the risk of contracting it, or just not wanting to be stuck in a hotel room for that amount of time if they don't have a true idea to contend. But it felt like I just hope that it wasn't the NBA putting that out there as a means to be like, well, as to avoid future liability, we're letting the world know that these players don't have to do this. Like that they, we told them they didn't have to come. Like, obviously there would be public shaming, but they didn't have to be here yeah. in case something did bad happen. So that makes me a little bit uneasy if if that's the place that that's coming from. I hope it's a place of, you know, we're going to respect this. If people don't feel safe or they don't want to be separated from their family that long, then, you know, we're going to understand that. I hope that's the place that it's coming from.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. That's one of the first thoughts I had when, when, when reading that tweet yesterday because, I mean, yeah, you can say that it's going to be fine if a guy doesn't want to play, but then you have to think about, okay, well, he's probably almost definitely not going to get paid. Um, so that's forfeiting you know, millions of dollars, most likely, uh, depending on the player, obviously. Um, but then also, I mean, like you said about public shaming, like uh, you have, like you think about the potential of like team rifts that come out of that because – Yeah. Um, I mean, especially with what happened with Utah earlier in the season between uh, reportedly between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. um, I mean, you could see exacerbated results uh, with that happening uh, because, you know, it's easy for people to misconstrue things or miscommunicate. So, yeah, I don't know, just uh, crazy, crazy conglomeration of, of stuff going on. Uh,
1: Just the 22 game format, like just looking at the format, I don't have any idea why Phoenix and Washington need to be there. That to me is why, why are you putting more people in the bubble that you have to keep healthy and keep safe for really no reason. I mean, in that sense, like if there was Wizards players or Suns players that didn't want to go do this, could you really blame them like risking their health when there's really not nothing for them to play for like they're not getting into the playoffs why why even do this like i could have done without the play in tournament personally i mean if these games are going to count towards seeding i and you're going to maintain conferences anyways i would have just done 16 and kept the fewest amount of people in there and kept it simple but
0: yeah i mean, I, I, I agree with that i think they should have stuck with 16 just because like you mentioned i mean if you can cut down six other teams I mean that's probably close to four or five hundred people in terms of personnel so I mean yeah I just it doesn't make sense especially with how bad Washington was this year uh, I think I, I read the other day I think Orlando would have to go like I think Orlando has to lose every game and Washington can lose one for Washington to make the playoffs and I get yeah. that they they brought Washington in so that they can have an even number but at the same time it's still just uh, it's still a little crazy uh, to 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 be bringing that that many in, uh, especially because I mean, there's there's a lot made up of uh, of how well New Orleans was playing down the stretch, and you can argue that they were nine and eight in their their last 17 games. Um, but I mean, they still had to make three and a half games up. So I just think it's it's unprecedented times. You have to kind of roll with it, but they're they're rolling with it their way. Um, and I think the thing that I'm most concerned about um, that I, I wrote on recently, and I've still been trying to look into a little bit. Um, I'm really worried about injuries and fatigue, and I think I'm definitely worried about it for this season, but I'm more concerned about next year now, especially with, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, um, no, yeah, it was yesterday, uh, released that they want to crunch the season, a full 82 games and playoffs from December to July. Um, And that just seems, you know, maybe if that's a, if it's a lockout year or um, a regular year that had to be condensed for some reason, that's, you know, that's one thing. Well, to have it coming off of, uh, off of this, uh, you know, extended season out after already weird circumstances, um, I'm not a sports scientist or anything, but, uh, that definitely seems like a, a breeding ground for potential, uh, injury problems for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm <coughs> sorry. Um, yeah. The condensed scheduling is interesting because I don't know how long it's going to be, like, even next year. How long is it going to be until, until you can have fans back in the buildings? So, if you're not going to have fans in the buildings anyways, it's not like the ownership is going to be losing out on a lot of money by not having the full slate of games. So, if we now know that you have to get to 70 for the regional TV money to kick in, it seems like why wouldn't you just automatically cut next season to 70 or 72 and it's just so there can be more space and breathing room in there. Cause I mean, like if, if the teams that make it to the finals are going to get like a couple weeks off before they have to go to training camp. They're going to be playing basketball for almost a year straight. And then if you're like Giannis and you go play for Greece and the Olympics, like, I guess I shouldn't assume that the bucks are going to make the finals, but let's say that they do. That's a lot of basketball. And, and a lot, I mean, and people are going to say, well, they've had longer than an off season right now. Well, yes, but, they haven't had a true off season they haven't Mm -hmm. known all this time from week to week like do i need to when do i need to be ready when i mean they're having to constantly stay in shape do these things which i mean professional athletes do that in the off season anyways but i do think that most of them take a couple weeks off at least where they know like i'm not returning to basketball i'm going to go do this with my family or whatever it may be and and i mean you knew that they weren't going to want to change the league schedule completely because on top of like putting it as, you know, players are going to want to go play in the Olympics Well, the NBA is not want to want to compete with Olympic ratings. Like they're not going to want the NBA finals taking place during when NBC is airing the Olympics. That's going to be too competitive to get eyeballs. So I'd like to see them cut the season, but I'm doubtful that will happen. Yeah, I agree. It seems like they're pretty
0: hell-bent on it, but uh, especially, I mean, just thinking about, I mean, I I think that we could definitely see more like, uh, I hate using the term load management because it's something that, has been around for a long time, but it just got parlayed last year because of Kawhi Leonard. Um, but, I mean, I think we could see definite uh, record levels of, of depth being used in games and uh, guys not playing back-to-backs, and I, I think that makes sense. I'm sure people come on and criticize it, but like you were you're mentioning about uh, not having a true offseason, I mean, there was no cool-down. Normally, in, a, in an offseason, you're going from uh, working out like such a – completely different way and completely different level uh, and guys were trying to do it, it to an extent on their own. I mean, it, I think it's sometimes, uh, I mean, I think there was a general consensus among people who maybe weren't super close to it that uh, NBA players have a lot more um, training equipment in their own homes. But I mean, it came out and I think Jason Tatum was on like NDC or something. And he, he talks about how he doesn't have a hoop. Um, and so I think that it's just different because you, instead of having like an actual training program guys are doing, it's not like it's half-assed. I mean, it's just the circumstances, you know? So I think there's a uh, more potential for for injuries and, and issues when, when things are um, less at, at their full max, you know, instead of, you know, if you're doing 75% of what, uh, what, what you're used to doing, that, that totally changes how your body's going to react to things. And I'm going a little too, too far into the sports science part of this, but uh yeah. It's uh, just a lot of questions for me there. Um, but uh, I think, you know, kind of transitioning out of that uh, with all the questions that we have, um, I think, what do you think we can even take out of this year, you know, out of this uh, abbreviated um, or I, I guess just kind of uh, extradited and, you know, like how, how, how do we take anything out of it?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think, like, I mean, for the Pacers' sake, if they are all truly healthy and back 100% when they return into this environment, I mean, just looking at what their projected schedule would be here. Philadelphia and Miami, I mean, the order may not be this way because, you know, somebody's third game might be the other team's eighth game, so the order might get rearranged here. But they do have some games here left against Houston and the Clippers where they're going to be playing opponents that are playing small. So I'd like to see them in those games approach it with Miles and Sabonis and be like, you know, we need to see what these two can do against some of the teams that play small that are better and more elite. I mean, we saw them finish a game against the Spurs together and win that game when the Spurs didn't have LaMarcus Aldridge, and I'd like to see more of that. I think they need to get more research and and development on what the future of that pairing is. And when they play the Sixers and the Heat, I'm kind of interested in those two games in general because... How do you approach those? Like, if I'm the Pacers headed into seeding games, I mean, the seeding in general is interesting because the Heat are two games up over Philadelphia and Indiana, and they already own the tiebreaker effectively against the Pacers, so it's really not two games. The Sixers could tie it up with the Pacers, and then they'd have the leg up in Eastern Conference records, so... But if, if I'm the Sixers, I don't know how motivated I am to really climb into Milwaukee's bracket because, let's face it, I mean, if they, if they have an underwhelming season, Brett Brown's going to be on the hot seat and, and they might be evaluating further major roster changes. They, they, their eyes are going to be bigger than just the first round. And while Boston's a tough matchup, I think that's a matchup that they would like because it's the one mm-hmm. that allows them to leverage their size the most. So how motivated do they really want to be to get up into fourth and fifth, especially because they struggled against Miami's zone? So I I don't know – how much of a push there's going to be there. So if the Pacers aren't really thinking, oh, you know, there's no more home-card advantage, how much do we really need to press to move up necessarily if we're going to be in that 4-5 or five position? Then how do you approach those games with the Philadelphia and the Heat when you know in a week or two we're going to be playing one of those two opponents as our first-round opponent? Because there's things that I think that they need to change in both of those matchups over what they did in the regular season, and I don't know if you want to show your hand in two seeding games to test it out. I think you'd rather spring that on him in in game one. So, I mean, just overall goal, I think they have to get out of the first round. Like if they don't get out of the first round, I would expect that changes need to be made, even though there's going to be an abbreviated off season. They can't go for the fourth, fifth straight year without making it to the second round of the playoffs, especially in Victor Oladipo's contract year. So, I mean, it's definitely exigent circumstances, like this is a tough situation for all the teams involved, but you still have to take from what you're seeing it unless something, you know, unless a whole string of their team ends up with with COVID and then obviously look through it with a different lens. But if they're healthy and they go through this process, I think you got to be looking at, you know, did we get out of the first round? If we did, how did we look against the Bucs and evaluate from there?
0: Yeah, I think I may just be a little too pessimistic about it. I, uh, yeah. I'm i still just like very hesitant to think that we're going to see regular basketball. You know, I think even by the time the finals hit, I don't know if, what the basketball is going to look like. And that's not to discredit the guys at all, but it's just a major Well,
1: thing. as you as but, yeah. you said, I mean, as you said with the training, I mean, Sabonis wrote a diary on Pacers.com where he had said that the only access he had to a basketball hoop was at his girlfriend's mom's house, which was a... 30-minute bike ride that they weren't making all of the time so yeah I mean there's going to be serious rust I would expect unless you know he found other means after that once certain things reopened I don't know what the situation in California where he's staying is but I mean TJ Warren all their access to hoops had been incredibly variable when some of them were writing that I mean Miles Turner posted a video the other day where he was actually in a gym playing with other people Mm -hmm. which you know I don't know what to think about that but
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a, a totally random thought. But did you see the one of uh Trey Young was playing like a program league? You know, that, that in gym Oklahoma. was stuffed with people. I was just I saw that and I was like, oh wow, that's uh that's not and
1: and good. that's the sort of position that they're in though. Like I think that's why some of the lower seeds wanna have these games because I mean, just like you know, Miles, he wasn't in there with a packed gym, but he was in there with other people and I think that they wanna get they it's it's a balancing act because you don't want to return to this situation completely rusty. But then obviously the NBA is going through like all this rigmarole for these socially distant workouts to be safe at the training facilities. And then some players are still getting into to gyms wherever they're staying. So I saw that Luca's uh, agent said that he was out of shape this morning. Oh so. boy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, uh, we'll so see I think that we're
1: going to see a lot of different levels among players.
0: Yeah, I'm really hoping uh, – at the, at the, you know, it's easy to make it sound like a joke, but at the same point, I really just hope we don't have another Sean Kemp situation uh, or Lamar Odom because, I mean, Lamar was different. But, I mean, because Sean was just such an incredible player. I went back and I watched uh, – I, I mean, obviously, I'm not old enough to have uh, experienced that I was born when the Sonics were good. So, <laughs> I'm,
1: right.
0: uh, I I went back and I was watching a lot of those old games and seeing the difference in, in Sean Kemp between uh, – When he was in Seattle to to, to, the lockout year and him being in Cleveland is is astronomical, Um, and so I'm really hoping that we don't have a situation like that with with somebody in the league, Um, but you know anything's possible. Um, But you know going off of that, I uh, oh crap, what was it? Sorry, I lost my place for a second. Um, I totally got I got derailed by Sean Camp. That's the first time I can say that in my life, but. looking at shoot i apologize um,
1: that's fine
0: i got so excited to use my sean kemp anecdote that i just uh, forgot anything about patience basketball um oh yes but yeah in, in terms of talking about uh like you know Domas not having any ability with, with a hoop or like, you know, minimal ability to get to a hoop and same thing with, with other players. I spoke to David West two weeks ago and he told me, it was one of the craziest things I heard in my life. He said, this is the first time he, uh, he has not been in the gym to shoot around since he was like a kid. Like, and I hadn't even thought about that. I'm like, you know, he's been retired for what, three, three, four years now. And, uh, so he's, he's almost 40 and he, this is the first time he has been in a gym forever. And I just like that, that really hit me, you know, just thinking about how crazy this whole, uh, whole scenario has been.
1: Well, um, just, just the idea of, I mean, I remember a couple of days ago I was writing about who would and wouldn't be available for replacement players and just the idea of a replacement player being necessary. Like the sentence that's like, well, if somebody comes down with the coronavirus and they're quarantined for 10 days, there has to be healthy bodies available. Like that sentence just feels so gross to write. Like it's I was typing weird. it and I'm like, this is the grossest sentence and and just thinking about that. I mean I mean, on the one hand, by the time I got to the end of it and, and wrote no one as a as an option, because apparently like if you sign if you add a replacement player, then the idea is that the person they're replacing would be ineligible to return to play. And would you, is is that something you'd want to do, especially if the player was asymptomatic and, and didn't necessarily have Hopefully, effects from having been sick. That, um, just that. Now I lost my place. Sorry.
0: <laughs> no, you're good. I'm, it's not. Uh, yeah.
1: No, just the, just the idea that that we could be playing like if teams are out there and they're really having to actually play like, and this is not me trying to take a knock on this guy. If they're really having to play like Brian Bowen minutes like beyond just well we're going to add him because we want to make sure that we have extra bodies and garbage time or whatever it be like if he would to get get bumped up as a replacement player and be playing actual minutes as a rotation player aren't we just going to question whether this entire thing should have happened like i mean that that was kind of where i landed on it I'm like i understand that there has to be a protocol for what teams can do to supplement a roster in terms of injury or illness but at the same time like if a string of players were to get sick to the point where those replacement players would actually need to be playing Mm -hmm. I I just think that you would be questioning like was this actually something that should happen or what do you do if one of these teams has enough people sick that they can't continue like (laughs) yeah I think that's where some of the asterisk talk comes into play because if I mean, you always have to play the team that's in front of you. That's the case any season. I mean, if, if another team has several injuries, that that's what it is. But I think that that's a little bit different than what this current situation is. But
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that um, – I mean, just looking at it right off the bat, I think a lot of people have said, you know, there shouldn't be an asterisk because it's just like lockout year. your um, – or you know injuries always happen. I'm like yes, injuries always happen. Yes, it's going to be a different season. But I mean, yeah, the the amount of variables. I mean, you're, you're having people who aren't in the stadium. I mean, there aren't people in the stadiums, which I mean that is already totally different. Because um, I remember you know when I was uh, when I was fighting still, the, but the difference between sparring somebody and then being in front of a crowd of like thousands of people is totally different. You know, like the, the adrenaline's different. The everything's different. You know, obviously they're in, in situations that are, uh, you know, they're probably used to not playing in front of that many people sometimes, you know, if they're playing pickup or anything like that. But at the same time, it's just everything has a difference at, at some level. Um,
1: yeah. And but, I just think that being completely separated from your family and also dealing with, I mean, if we're being blunt, this is matters of, of actual life and death mm-hmm. versus, you know, an injury. I just think that that's a little bit different. I mean, mostly I think the asterisk talks only going to come into play if a team that we don't expect to win, manages to win like let's face it if the Pacers were to somehow come out victorious in this everyone would be saying that Oh, that deserves an asterisk like basically hang the asterisk banner because that's what it would be if it's the Lakers or the Bucks or the Clippers I don't really think that these conversations are going to be had unless one of those teams had to face one of the other teams without their best player but I mean that's mainly where I think the conversation in the aftermath would would stop and start.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would fully agree with that. I, uh, at the same time, yeah, it's difficult talking about it, especially cause we're, I mean, we're Pacers, Pacers fans. We write about the Pacers and talk about the Pacers, but it's, uh, it is so difficult to imagine anybody other than the Bucks or, or one of the LA teams winning it this year or with the Eastern conference, you know, just with the way that the Bucks were playing, like, oh man, I, I don't know. It's, uh,
1: I mean, yeah. I, I have to agree with Daryl Morey that, I mean, there's definitely a lot of uncertainty here and uncertainty plays in favor of the teams that aren't the favorites, I think more than the favorites. I mean, anytime you introduce, which I think is why there was some pushback against the group stage format and, and some of the other stuff, because I think that would have favored teams that weren't, weren't necessarily favorites because it's different mm-hmm. than what people are used to. I mean, I would have been entertained watching it, but I, I, I think that's where that comes from.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, well, Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, It was great to talk with you for a little bit and, uh, take my focus somewhere, uh, somewhere other than everything going on outside my house right now. Uh, what are you working on right now?
1: Well, eventually, like I said, I'll have a piece about something that I had been debating with somebody who I had watched some games with this year, which I don't want to give too much away because this was a long-term project. This was like several weeks in the making of tracking. Everything because it wasn't exactly a statistic that exists, at least not publicly. So I kinda had to formulate it myself and drag it down. It's a bonus related, so that's that's all I'll say, but it will go up eventually. I just I don't know when I'll feel comfortable posting it. But that's what's awesome. next. Unless some major new news item pops up. Mm-hmm. Then I'll be working on whatever that is.
0: Definitely. Well, whenever it comes out, I'll be looking forward to reading it. Oh, uh, thanks. Yeah, no problem. Thanks again, Kaylin. You have a good one. Yep,
1: no problem.